Hey everyone, it's Jeff from MCS Mag, and after growing up in rural upstate New York and spending almost four years in the 10th Mountain Division, neck deep in snow for what seemed like 11 months out of the year, I vowed that the only snowflake I'd ever see was either on television or on a one-day trip to a ski slope, and then back down to the south where I could wear my shorts and flip-flops again. So you'd think that today's interview on how to survive a winter storm, stranded in your car, wouldn't have anything to do with me, or maybe you, if you have the same snow philosophy as I do. But the truth is, you may be someday traveling temporarily through or to an area that does get hit by a storm. Plus, the strategies that you learn today will help you really trick out your vehicle for any emergency. So, take these tips in this broadcast to heart and put them to good use right away. Let's go ahead and get started. Bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging. Would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive. If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. The roads are closed. The grocery store shelves are empty. Citizens are huddled in their homes. Some of them even told by the government to stay off the streets or they could face fines or arrest. Is it a pandemic? Is it the social chaos of an economic collapse? Is it widespread civil unrest and riots, rampaging hordes of zombies that caused all this mess? No, it's snow. That's right. All it takes is a sudden snowfall to paralyze your city and make travel by vehicle a life or death venture. Now, we joke about the prospect of a snowmageddon scenario, but the truth is heavy snow and winter travel can be deadly, as people find out every time this happens. I remember one particular story about a, a, a really bad snowstorm where the family got stuck in the snow, the father went out for help, and he died from just one of many mistakes people make because they aren't prepared and find themselves stranded with a crashed or broken down vehicle in the middle of a snowy wasteland. So if it happens to you, if you're swallowed up by a heavy snowfall and find yourself trapped in your car, what do you do to survive? Well, that's exactly what we're here to find out. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And here today to talk about winter travel survival tips, we welcome back Tony Nestor. Tony, welcome back to the program, man. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me again. Good to have you back. Now, listen, everybody. Uh, Tony has over 20 years' experience teaching outdoor survival and guiding wilderness trips through his organization, Ancient Pathways. He's instructed Desert Survival Courses for the National Transportation and Safety Board, National Weather Service, even U.S. military special operations units, and, of course, private citizens. In addition, he has extensive experience working with the media and the film industry and has provided survival training for actors to prepare for such movies as Jonah Hex and Into the Wild. Now, Tony's been featured in numerous media outlets, including on NBC News, the Travel Channel, Maxim Magazine, the New York Times, and the Discovery Channel, and he's the author of numerous books on survival and has written for Outside Magazine, on a month, even on a monthly column. So you can learn more about Tony and his work over at his website at www.apathways.com. All right, Tony, let's, let's talk about Snowmageddon here. <laughs> and, and, you know, we do kind of joke about this, and I think we, end, we arrogantly tend to think that 
the weather like outside of hurricanes and tornadoes and things like that aren't really all that life-threatening. But the fact is it really can endanger our lives. Now, when I think about it, I mean, obviously, if you if you stay at home, you have a lot more resources available to be able to do this. But what happens a lot of time is that people get trapped or they think that they can make the trip, but they end up stranded. And my biggest fear when I'm traveling in, in winter weather area is experiencing something like a blowout or a breakdown that basically makes my vehicle my new home while I'm waiting for the storm to die down or for help to come, or whatever it is. So let's talk about... Let's talk about sheltering first, because I think there's this this feeling like, well, you have a vehicle, so obviously you 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 can weather you you can shelter yourself from the storm, but that might not be that might not be the case. So, what do you recommend for like a winter shelter system to protect you if you find yourself having to basically camp out under blizzard conditions while you're waiting for help or or breaking the storm to get back on the road or whatever? Right, right. So I, I look at my vehicle as a big rolling survival kit. And before I even head out, I just take a few minutes in the driveway to check all the basic stuff, not only the tire pressure and fluids and all that, but making sure that I have the appropriate clothing and food uh, to deal with a winter survival situation if I'm stuck on the highway. Because we've had it happen out west here, especially when I live in northern Arizona at 7,000 feet, where the highways can sometimes shut down for a day or two. And nobody can get to you and you can't get out. So you've got to be self-contained. So I definitely dress for the weather, meaning I avoid 100% cotton altogether. All I just don't even wear that stuff nine months out of the year when I'm traveling here in the West. And I've got my synthetics, my wool, my fleece, my polypropylene, and my wool blends, whatever it is. But avoid 100% cotton because any of those other items, if they get wet, they'll still keep insulating you. Then I've got my layering system. I've got, you know, I've got the usual. I've got a big parka with the hood, but then I've also got four or five upper body layers and extra socks and gloves and that type of thing. And then I've got a little emergency candle in my vehicle, and these are non-toxic candles, not the kind with all the dyes and scents in them that can make you sick in an enclosed space. Uh, the Newick candles, the Coleman candles, these are like 44-hour candles. So mm-hmm. I can use that to warm the interior of my vehicle. I'll crack a window first a little bit, light that, and that will enable me to not only heat the interior space of my vehicle, but also melt some snow and have some light at night and that type of thing. And I'm not burning through all my fuel in my vehicle. I'll, I'll still use my fuel, still turn on the vehicle engine, you know, every 15 minutes on the hour. But um, I've got that candle in the meantime. And the other thing I have is uh, some quality food. Because in the wintertime, your body's just a big wood stove. You have to be putting quality fuel in that stove to get the BTUs revved up. So, yeah, you hear about how you can go without food and survival situation for long periods of time, and you can. You know, I've, I've been up to four days under survival conditions, even in the winter, without food, and, and it's it can be done. It's not fun. Your energy level plummets. Your attitude plummets. But um, after a while, your body starts to basically cannibalize itself and rely on the lean muscle mass. So to avoid that wonderful situation, bring some quality foods, and, and we can talk about that for sure, but... Those are kind of the big things. You got to be able to protect your your core temperature, and then you got to be able to stoke that wood stove, that furnace, to get the BTUs going. Those are the two biggies during the winter time. So I've got my clothing, my layers, my synthetics, and my wool. I've got quality food, and then I've got that new wick candle to also provide some some heat, melt some snow, keep me hydrated. 
Yeah, and I remember uh, we've we've talked before about like survival vehicle stuff before because you have you have a book specifically on survival vehicles. I remember one of the tips that you gave me was to take like a um, like a piece of tarp or it can be like even a garbage bag or something like where you basically can section off a part of the car so you're only warming half of the vehicle if you need to instead of like the whole one. Um, so that was, I thought was a really good tip as well. You know, something I've, I've seen before, and I don't know if you, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but, um, I've, I've seen where people have taken like these small terracotta, you know, pots for like plants and put the candle like inside of that. And it's somehow like he, I've never, I've never tried it, but it like heats that, that pot, which creates kind of like this, I forgot what you call like radiant heat, um, furnace sort of a thing. And I wonder if that, you know, and you could probably also put stuff for, you know, on top of that to warm them up or, um, you know, but that sounds like something that might be, um, valuable as well. Yeah. I find that's good for, um, a space that's already insulated. So if you're in a small room in your house, um, we've used that in a small, uh, little cabin, but, um, you, you gotta have the space around you insulated to begin with. So in, in a vehicle, yeah. it'd certainly be one of those places, but like you said, having, a a uh, trash bag, having a mylar blanket, what I tell people in the wintertime, yeah. is tape up that mylar blanket, seal off the unused portion of your van or your SUV, and then you've got a much smaller space to heat. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. All right, so we're all bundled up with our stuff here, but I think there's there's one thing that I, I wonder people really um, realize, because you know, you, people go out and they, they shovel the driveway and they don't think about, you know, like, how many heart attacks happen when they're out there exerting themselves. Anytime that you're, you know, if you're trying to get your vehicle out of the, out of the, out of the snow, or even if you're inside of there and you're all bundled up, you might be nice and toasty warm, but you could also be sweating. And, sweating. and I think that hydration is something that um, people don't necessarily take into account, until, and usually until it's too late. You know, by the time you end up feeling thirsty, it's, it's usually too late. Um, and, and I think that again, if you look at, you're surrounded by snow. So of course, you know, there's lots of, you know, water everywhere. So, so let me ask you, what are the best tips for staying hydrated during, you know, exerting yourself during cold weather? Well, good thing you bring that up because people, I think, just associate dehydration with the summer or with desert survival. And certainly in the winter, you can get extremely dehydrated. You're, you're putting out calories and sweat to maintain your 98.6, to thermoregulate. That just gets compounded in the winter when you're doing heavy exertion, your uh, vehicle out of a ditch, whatever it is. And, you know, one thing, frostbite is dehydration. So what I tell people is if you ever have to treat frostbite, mild or severe in the field, just assume your patient is going to be dehydrated. Hmm. That's probably what even led to the frostbite because frostbite's a circulation issue. Um, in addition to exposure issue. So definitely tank up on the water, keep your canteen and your belly there full. You can get a, up to a quart of water in there, um, so so have that stoked and full. And then, you know, you also hear this thing about not eating snow. Oh, I, I eat snow, I, I heard that'll, that'll kill me or it'll lead to hypothermia. That's only the case if you're already compromised. So if I fractured my tibia or I've got a severe injury and then I down a bunch of snow or icicles, that's going to further send me downhill. So I don't want to do that. But when I'm out on the trail, I have snow. I'll put it in my canteen. And one thing that I recommend people doing is get a couple Nalgene bottles, water bottles, juice bottles, just some small ones, your your half-liter ones, and wrap a bunch of black duct tape or electrical tape around that. And now you've got a passive snow-melting device. 
throw that in your vehicle, leave it there. I've got a smaller one, a little, um, like one of those Snapple bottles, the equivalent of that, only it's plastic wrapped with electrical tape. And I keep that in my pocket, my parka pocket when I'm traveling, when I'm snowshoeing, that's there. My body heat's keeping it warm, so it's not going to freeze. And I'll sip on that throughout my hike, but then when I stop to rest, I'll throw some snow in there, ice in there, put it in the sun, and I've got that passive snow melting going on. So you definitely have to stay hydrated. Um, you know, that's a real big one in the wintertime. You definitely got to stay on top of that for thermoregulation to prevent frostbite. And again, you're just going to be putting a lot, putting out a lot of sweat calories. So you're saying black, use black because that catches the sun, like it catches more heat. Exactly, it absorb the sun's rays and warm that bottle up. And um, good system to use. Sometimes for snow melting, I'll also lay out a space blanket with the shiny side up, put a big wad of snow on there, like literally an armload of snow on there, hmm. and let it melt in the sun. And I'll dig some little pockets, uh, make some little pockets down below or slope the blanket uh, so that the water drains towards my bottle or canteen cup. Um, I mean, you can do other things too, of course. Put a, what we call a snow marshmallow where you roll up. It's like making a snowman. You roll up something the size of a football or soccer ball and jam it on a stick and put it next to the fire, put it by your emergency candle outside your vehicle. Uh, but the passive snow melting devices work well, assuming you have sunlight. <laughs> yeah, right. You usually don't have in the wintertime. Yeah, yeah. I always like all the little, the, the the cool little tips I get from you. It's like these are, I don't know who thinks of these, uh, you're just out there just like the mad scientist of the, uh, of the high desert just coming <laughs> up with this stuff. It's cool. Uh, listen, everybody, we've been talking with Tony Nestor of apathways.com about snow survival strategies. When you're stranded in your vehicle in the middle of nowhere, and we have a lot more to get to, including we're going to get back to survival food storage in your vehicle and what you need to actually pack away. Also, live or die myths, mistakes, and strategies for when you suddenly find yourself broken down with no help in sight, and vehicle survival gear that you'll need for a worst-case scenario. But first, check out this special message. In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos, or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them. And how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie. But you know that no one can protect your family better than you can. If you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival. Don't wait until it's too late. Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show. 
Okay, we're back with Tony Nestor of apathways.com, discussing how to survive a winter storm when you're stranded in your vehicle with no help on the way. And we've got a lot more to get to, including some real how-to strategies that you can prepare for now. So let's go ahead and jump right back in. Now, Tony, I, I read an article not long ago about people who were stranded in their vehicles overnight when there was a sudden snowfall in, in Buffalo, New York last year. And I remember it, it like paralyzed like the entire interstate. And what was interesting was that, you know, we've been talking about like how to dress up and things like that. A lot of people like, you know, you go out and they're wearing their business clothes. You might be in a suit or, a, you know, your woman in a dress or something like that. And people really just weren't prepared. And it got me wondering, you know, I think we all just figured that we'll drink the melted snow, like like you say. But I realized, do I have to have anything in the car to eat for for what happens? And you know, do I just load up the trunk with MREs, or what are the best methods for that? So, what are your thoughts on on storing food for winter survival in your vehicle? Well, I like having some non-cooked items with me, and of course, items that aren't going to freeze and potentially chip a tooth when I when I go to dig into it. I've heard of that happening, and I know a friend of mine had that happen on an elk packing trip in the mountains at a Snickers bar and a saddlebag that froze and chipped the tooth. So anyway, you want to avoid those types of situations. So I, I often have, as I mentioned, the new wick candle. Yeah, I can heat food. I can heat water, heat MREs. But I'm going to assume worst-case scenario where I can't do that or I need to conserve that fuel for other things. So I like having bite-sized items with me. One of those that I highly recommend people take and just throw in your vehicle for the season. Just leave it in there for six months. Just go get some quality shortbread cookies from the grocery store. My mother-in-law is Scottish, and she used to tell these stories about how back in her grandmother's village when fishermen went out to the North Sea fishing on a trip for a couple days, how everybody was equipped with tins of shortbread cookies. And I started looking into that, and I thought, you know, What's in shortbread cookies that people would be carrying that? And it's really only three things. It's, it's your, your flour, your sugar, and your butter. <laughs> so mm. you have energy there, and you have carbs, and you have fat right there. And I don't have to cook it. I don't have to prepare it. It's not going to freeze solid where it's going to chip a tooth. So I always have some shortbread cookies that I can snack on to give me some calories and fat and that type of thing when I need to stoke my furnace. And then the rest of the stuff I have, I have my instant packets of soup, my instant packets of hot cocoa, I have some beef bouillon cubes, things that all dissolve easily that I don't have to have a stove for, I just have to have water for. And a lot of people don't realize with the freeze-dried or dehydrated dehydrated meals um, that you can cook that without a stove. You just have to put water in it, even if it's cool water, warm water. You might have to let it sit for 90 minutes instead of 15 minutes like you would with hot water, but you can still rehydrate those uh, freeze-dried meals. So the freeze-dried meals, I definitely have a couple of those. The MREs are great, but I just find sometimes those, those things just freeze solid if they've got a lot of gravy and and uh, liquid in them and that type of thing. So I'm a real fan of the dehydrated. I've always got the shortbread cookies. And then I've got some bite-sized, bite-sized Snickers bars or Milky Way or M&M type chocolates in my glove box because you want some sugar to get into your system quickly and sugar gets absorbed in the bloodstream and within five minutes it can rev the metabolism, give you some energy while the you're waiting for the fat from the shortbread cookies to kick in. So we're talking about carbs, fat, sugars, those types of things that can easily be prepared without a stove. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think maybe one of the, the cautions about dehydrated foods, because we talk about dehy dehydration of your body as well, is that if you don't let it get hydrated, like if you just start chomping away on like dehydrated food, it, it can actually dehydrate your body because it's going to look for that water from right, somewhere right. and kind of pull out. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's let's kind of go ahead with this scenario of I'm trapped. You know, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I mean, I live in in a rural part of of, of town. We don't really get that much snow out here, but but basically, you, know, you find yourself in the middle of nowhere. Can you walk me through step by step? What should I do, and then maybe even what should I not do? That you think that are common mistakes, but when I'm traveling during the winter and I and I end up stranded, stuck, or broken down. What are kind of like the main survival strategies that you think will will get you through to when you can get a break or or find help? Yeah, so you know you never know how long you are going to be stranded out there. The the first responders, the tow trucks, the the in our state it's the A dot Department of Transportation. They might not be able to get to you for four hours, eight hours, twenty four hours. You're going to be living in your vehicle. It's going to be your little hotel for the next. Day. Hopefully, you've got a lot of equipment that you brought with you. Um, as I mentioned, a sleeping bag is just a key piece of gear. I have a down sleeping bag stuffed down the size of a sleeping or um, football, and I keep that in my vehicle for nine months out of the year. It's there. And if I have that, I might not have to do a lot to fix up my vehicle to turn it into a, a warm shelter. So um, let's just take a walk around the outside of the vehicle first. First thing I want to do is make sure my tailpipe is clear. I want to go out there a couple times throughout my stay and make sure the snow hasn't built up, uh, the ice hasn't built up to where I've got a blocked tailpipe because carbon monoxide is the silent killer. And if you've got that creeping back into the cab of your vehicle, that's going to be the end of the picture. So I check that periodically, uh, make sure that's clear. Then I'm going to run my vehicle about every 15 minutes on the hour. I'm going to crack my window a little bit, prevent carbon monoxide buildup again, and I'm going to run my vehicle just enough to warm me, warm the interior, and then I'm going to turn that off and I'll crawl in my sleeping bag or whatever I have to do to stay warm. But I'm not going to run it continuously because I, I could be out there for a day or two. We want to conserve that fuel. So when I'm not running it, that's when I would pull out my little candle, my Coleman or new wick candle, and I light that. They've got one to five wicks that you can put in there to boost the heat output. And I'm just going to light that. And again, crack the window, get some O2 in there, and that'll help warm the interior of my vehicle. I'm going to get my feet off the cold part of the vehicle, which is the part by the floor mats, that's the cold sink, and I'm going to put my legs across the seat or the back seat or across my partner or passenger or whatever, but I'm going to get them off the cold sink of that vehicle. And then as we just talked about, I'm going to want to seal off any unused parts of my vehicle. My duct tape, my 550 cord, my space blanket, stretch that out so that I can seal off the back of my van or SUV. So I'm not heating all that stuff back there as well. And then really it's just where you're going to be getting your deck of cards out and staying put and uh, staying hydrated, uh, getting some fuel in your gut and checking periodically that your tailpipe is clear. And assuming the weather is good outside for you to walk away from your vehicle a little bit, because obviously if it's a blizzard, you're not going to want to do that. Um, but once the weather clears, then that's when I would get out and I would start making my ground air signal panels. I'd put a big X, stomp a big X in the ground in the snow, maybe 50 feet long, that big X so that searchers from above can see that. I might have to fill it with some pine boughs or pine needles to make it stand out. Um, 
I may have to, as, as you've heard about with people lost in the snow, I may have to drag uh, my spare tire off in the distance and cut the valve stem on that. I'll pour some transmission fluid or brake fluid on that and light it up, and that'll be a huge signaling device. The smoke coming off that will hopefully draw attention to searchers if I'm in the backcountry. So um, anyway, after the ordeal, after the storm passes, that's when you're going to work on drawing attention to your location. But definitely stay with the vehicle. It's a huge survival kit. It's a huge refuge from the cold, and it's going to be a lot easier for searchers to see that than you walking out on foot. Mm, That's a really good point. Yeah. Well, let's, you know, I, I always think of like your vehicle must be like a transformer. I just imagine it like it, it all comes apart and all of a sudden you've got like, like this giant survival bunker on top of the <laughs> desert floor. What would you say are like maybe the top three things that people aren't carrying gear wise for winter survival that they that they absolutely should be? I mean, you've gone over a lot of stuff here and I know that you you go over a lot in your book, too. But what are some of the things that you think people maybe don't don't typically think about? That um, that they should have stocked away for like a survival winter condition conditions. Yeah, you know, so I, I recommend having some kind of collapsible. You can go in twenty to thirty dollar shovels uh, that are used. They're, they're designed for the mountaineering industry originally. Aluminum ones, collapsible things about uh, twenty four inches long when it collapses. I got much space, so I can dig my vehicle out if necessary and clear some space around the doors or the tailpipe if I'm in deep snow. I can dig a trench in the ground for building a fire a ways off from my vehicle if I have to. But a little collapsible shovel is sure handy. Um, And then I I mentioned about having the means of heating water, but the Newick candles are great, Coleman candles, or just getting a jet boil stove. Jet boil stove can really uh, make life pleasant if you're stuck in your vehicle for a little while. And then make sure you've got your cell phone charger. I know we're kind of all used to traveling with those now, but I was doing a winter class recently and took a little poll on uh, on what gear people have in their vehicles, and I was really surprised. About 40% of the people said they don't even carry cell phone chargers in their vehicle. Hmm. So definitely have that for replenishing the batteries in your smartphone or whatever it is. You can buy these little portable power packs as well for $50. I have little anchors, A-N-K-E-R-S, anchors, power pack for boosting my phone um, when I'm traveling. I use that a lot. Um, And so, yeah, I would just definitely have some more of those things. I mentioned the sleeping bag. And then having some some of those little portable uh, hand warmers. Those things are very... uh, Forgive the pun, but very handy. I mean, you can use them for a lot of different things. You can throw them in your boots if you're cold. You can sit on them. You can put them against your kidneys and your back. Just put them against your shirt layer there because they do get pretty hot. Um, and one thing I use those for as well is I will wrap some of those around a Nalgene bottle. Or I know guys in the military, when they're in layup positions for long periods of time, they'll sometimes tape the hand warmers to their camelback. And their camelback, they'll fill with some hot chocolate and even a little butter, um, and use that when they're sitting in a you know layup position for six eight hours and can't move to generate heat. They can at least slurp on some of that hot sludge there, that hot fluid, to get some of the, the fuel in the furnace going again. So those hand warmers have a lot of different uses. They do have an expiration date, um, so if you've had them sitting in your glove box for more than a year, you might want to toss them. But those things are, are pretty pretty uh, invaluable. Yeah, the, I guess the only thing um, I thought I've got to add this because, you know, it's one of those things that 
like you said, you're, 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 it was interesting. It was interesting to hear how many people don't even have like cell phone chargers, but like, you know, you're talking about setting signal fires and things like that. I guess even just like a lighter, like I don't smoke. So I don't typically think of having a lighter. I do have this like survival lighter, but anybody that's ever really truly tried to start a fire, like with flint and steel or, a bow drill, forget it. You know, so like, if you think you're going to like, you know, rub some sticks together out in the cold and, and make a fire, that's some tough thing. But even just having like some, you know, a, a good lighter, um, making sure that you've got that. I bet there's, a, I bet that just like the, um, the phone charger, I bet a lot of people think, well, yeah, that makes sense. And I don't have one. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of assuming, uh, folks will have like a bug out bag and that kind of thing. But yeah, you're yeah. right. You know, definitely having some fire tools having um, either some cotton balls and Vaseline, which is a great fire starter, or some sections of what I carry is a little rubber inner tube from bicycle tires. But you've also got your tire mats. You can just cut those in strips and burn them. Mm. You've, if it comes worst case, you've got the, the rubber hoses, uh, radiator hoses, that type of thing. You can cut up and, and burn those. Rubber burns really well, um, and it's good wet weather fire yeah. starter. And one other thing I want to add is I carry in my Tacoma, in my truck, I've got a, uh, three foot section. Sometimes I've had them longer, but three foot by 12 inches wide of uh, just some remnant carpeting. And if I'm stuck in the sand, if I'm stuck in the snow, I can just jam that by the tire and use that to help get out. I mean, I have other things too, um, you know, winch system and that kind of thing. But if you just want a starter set up, either carry some cat litter with you or carry some carpet strips mm-hmm. uh, to help get you out of that icy little pocket you're in. Good point. Awesome. Well, Tony, thanks so much, man. I mean, I know um, you uh, you cover some of this stuff also in your book on the survival of vehicles. I know you've got some other um, some other books and and training as well. So, listen, everybody, definitely make sure that you go check out Tony's website. You'll see you'll get access there over to uh, some of the books that he has, and, and you can check out the training courses that he's got coming up. And um, really great stuff. Highly recommended. So go check that out over at his website at www dot apathways.com and until our next modern combat survival broadcast this is jeff anderson saying train hard stay safe prepare now this has been modern combat and survival. survival we hope you've enjoyed the show you can help us out by rating our podcast on itunes and leaving a comment you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.